This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Do you want to know what's going on at 1265 Lombardi Avenue? What's next for the pack? Let's check in with our green and gold insider, Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Brought to you by Thomas Marola Law Offices. Divorce, child custody, and other family law needs. Go with experience. Go with Thomas Marola. Online at marolalaw.net or call 414-327-5800. Welcome back. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. It's brought to you by our friends over there. Epoxy Flooring done right. Sean and the gang want to help you out. If you've got a, a floor that you need done, whether you're a homeowner, a business owner like a showroom or maybe a uh, industrial, they can help you out. Epoxy Flooring, Polyurea Coatings. See for yourself what they have to offer. Go to epoxyflooringdoneright.com. That's epoxyflooringdoneright.com. Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press Gazette joining us on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Find him on Twitter at by Ryan Wood. Ryan, I, the question we're asking today is, does this uh, start to feel like a team from the past uh, where we're going wash, rinse, repeat when it comes to teams that are going to get to the postseason but flame out and break your heart? You know, Bill, I, I don't know that you can say that this team is marketably better than teams we've seen in the past, teams that in the last decade have been to, to three NFC Championship games, stop short every time. I do think, though, that what might be different is the conference landscape as a whole. I mean, just look at the NFC right now. It is as wide open as I can remember it being in the last decade. And in the past, when the Packers have had really, really good teams that might not quite be great, They've ran into the Seattle Seahawks and that Pete Carroll defense. They've run into Julio Jones and Matt Ryan at their peak. They ran in last year to a, a buzzsaw in San Francisco that had the defense, that had the that run game, that, that had all the, all the, the pieces and, and almost almost beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That, that was a really, really good 49ers team. This year, you look at the conference landscape, five teams have seven wins. Only one team has more than that, the Saints, with eight. And the Packers beat the Saints in New Orleans. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that this Packers team is is markedly better than, than what we've seen in the past. But this, there's there's not that great team in the NFC right now to really distinguish itself. And I think it's as wide open for the Packers as anybody else. So, one of the uh, interesting stories that came out was about Aaron Rodgers' record against winning teams. I don't know if you saw this. It was uh, it was in Sports and Fitness, I think. Uh, it was digest they just kind of wrote an article about his winning record against uh, good teams and and look uh, the one thing Aaron gets a lot of credit I'll give him that but when you start to lay the loss record at his feet 
it's tough because of the defense. It's it's tough to look at this defense and say, well, your quarterback is failing you because you have a championship-style defense. And this team just doesn't. They haven't had one for a long, long time. I think it's unfair. We give quarterbacks way too much credit, okay, and I get it because sometimes it's just the guys catching the football and what they do after the fact. But I think it's unfair to lay a lot of the blame and a lot of the loss at the feet of Aaron Rodgers. Do you? What, what's got to be frustrating for Packers fans is that – in my time on the beat, my first beat year was 2014, and this is my seventh season. And in those seven years, the two worst offenses that the Packers have had was 2015 and 2019, last year. And those were probably the two best defenses that they've had in that time. 2015 defense was awfully good. 2019, last year, it wasn't so much good. It was, it was mediocre, but what it was was it made a lot of plays, 25 takeaways, Constant pass rush, really buckled down in the red zone. Uh, it, it was just it was a playmaking defense, not not a, not a great defense, but a playmaking defense to really balance out some some uh, offenses that were more on the poor side. If you look at really the last the last decade as a whole, you've not seen a complimentary football team. And Matt Lafleur talked a lot about that coming out of Indy is needing to be a complimentary football team that plays well on on three phases. Frankly, the Packers saw that with the Indianapolis Colts this, this past Sunday. They saw very much a complimentary football team. That, that Colts offense is not great. It's got some pieces. It's not great. Uh, that, that Colts defense might not be great. They gave up 28 points despite having two turnovers in, in the first half. But they really they, they, they complimented each other well, and then they had the special teams on top of that. Um, the Packers just haven't been able to put together a complimentary team. Uh, they, just, they can't get the offense and defense on, on the same page at the same time in the same year. Uh, and and that's that's tough to to go far in the playoffs that way. Um, we were talking before about uh, th- this team and defensively speaking, when Mike Pettin runs out certain schemes, we'll say, because everybody wants to fire Mike Pettin and the scheme sucks. Okay, I know you hear it, I hear it all the time too. Okay, so here's the thing, and I've said there's one of two reasons: either you're obstinate because he'll run certain packages. I see them in run mode, and I'm watching him run dime, and he's going to live and die with dime. Sometimes you look at it and say, either one, just the scheme didn't work out that way and, you know, you got mismatches and, and the offense did a good job. Or sometimes if you're a defensive coordinator, one thing he'll never tell us is, that's my best option. I'm trying to just put the best players on the field because some of the guys that you say should be out there, maybe they just don't belong out there or they haven't excelled in certain situations. So you tell me, because everybody seems to think that there's either it's scheme or the Joes. Or, you know, obviously the combination thereof. But you tell me what you think when you look at some of the – because I was wondering why he stuck with that dime defense. He was going to live and die with that thing. And they were still running the ball against him, throwing the ball against him. Preston Smith's dropping into coverage. Why are you not just all out rushing a quarterback, trying to put pressure on Phillip Rivers and trying to stop the run with beef up front? Yeah, I think everything Mike Pettin does is because he thinks it's the best way to do it. It gives him the best chance to play good defense and, and by, by product win. Uh, with Phillip Rivers – just last year, he got rid of the ball so quick that, I mean, if you listen to Mike Patton going into that game, he was aware that there, there wasn't going to be a lot of opportunity to, to rush the passer with how quick his release was. Uh, that the real the, the real goal was was to fill holes in coverage, and they didn't do that. And at the end of the day, I mean, I, I get that the soft zone coverage on third and long can be maddening, but at the end of the day, your your defensive backs need to know where the markers are and not let catches happen in front of them. And that, that's the entire design and purpose of soft zone on third and long is to have the, the, the receptions come short of the markers and make the play 
and make the tackle. When your DBs are backing up past the marker, that's on the DBs. The, the, the defensive coordinator can't go out there and, and get their, their drop depths right for them. They, they have to know where, where they are on the field. And so, you know, I was thinking this the other day. If, if, you only, if the only coordinators that, that didn't suck were, were coordinators of good defenses, you'd only have 10 coordinators that are fit to do the job in the 32-team league, league every year. It's kind of like quarterback. There's not a good, enough good defensive coordinators, not good, enough good quarterbacks. Um, at some point, you, you have to look at a guy not based solely on the product on the field because there's going to be only 10 really solid top-notch defenses a year. But how does he use the pieces that he has, and does he put his guys in the best position to succeed? That, that's coaching. Mike Pettin's been doing it a really long time. I'm not saying that if something doesn't change, that his job's perfectly safe or that it should be. But if you keep rummaging guys in and out and going through schemes, at some point you're, you're going to create a much bigger mess than what you had before. Talking with Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, now you've got a, a Bears team that's coming into Lambeau Field. You're going to get a few fans in the stands, family and friends, nothing major. But uh, but but this team again, we're looking at a really a, a championship style defense versus uh, this Green Bay Packers offense, but an offense that just flat out isn't very good whatsoever. So my question is this: you know, this offense is built to play from ahead, and this defense for the Packers is is built to play with a lead. So in this contest, I I think the Packers are going to win the game. I think the Packers are going to win the game probably by double digits. I don't have a big worry about that. But what are you looking for in this upcoming game? Well, let's let's go to that defense that we were just talking about. If if you can't if you can't show up against this Bears offense, you're not going to show up against just about anybody. This is a bad Bears offense. So this should be a, a confidence building week for the defense, and, and it needs to be that. It, just because it should be that on paper doesn't mean it will be that way on the field. So they, they've got to bring that, uh, but it should be that. And then, similar to this past week, I mean that, that Packers offense against this Bears defense is going to be one hell of a matchup. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, that's, that that is a championship caliber Bears defense on on the other side of the ball. So uh, it's a good, it's another good measuring stick for a Packers offense that played half a game uh, their first half that was as good as they played maybe in the Matt LaFleur era uh, against that defense in that environment uh, on the road that that was that was Super Bowl caliber offense and then they scored three points the rest of the game so they've got to. it's like Matt LaFleur said yesterday they've got to put it together for four quarters and that's a terribly cliche but it's true you can't have 28 points in the first half and three in the second half they've got to put it together for all 60 minutes do you get the sense that the pressure is either mounting on Mike Pettin or there's already a determination at the end of the season, most likely there's going to be a change? I think it's TBA, to, to, to be announced, to be determined. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's still early. We don't know how this – if this season goes really south, and, and this is a really promising team. This is a team that has all the makings of a team that should should be thinking Super Bowl. I mean, that, that should be – the, the end goal, the final destination. And, and if this team flames out uh, early in the playoffs and it's the defense again that can't hold the water, um, sir, I, 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 I certainly think that, that this, this could be Mike Pettin's season under those circumstances. However, it's also very possible at this point that this team gets hot and defense that has a lot of playmakers gets better and, and that this team goes to where it should go. Uh, and if that's the case, I, I – could certainly see Mike Pettin 
still being here as defensive coordinator. So I, I just I think it's too early to know. I, the one thing I do think though is I, I you know Matt Lafleur. I think that there's a, an idea that this was a an arranged marriage with him and Mike Pettin, and that that it was kind of forced upon him. When Matt Lafleur was hired, he had Mike Pettin on his short list. The Packers, it's true that the Packers liked him as defensive coordinator. They're very promised and encouraged with with his first season in, in Mike McCarthy's last year. But Matt Lafleur knew Mike Pettin well from uh, from he didn't never worked with him, but but he, he obviously knows Kyle Shanahan well. Kyle Shanahan worked under Mike Pettin at the Cleveland Browns, so there was some some commonality there. Uh, and this is this is a different coordinator that he was very interested in working with coming in. So the the, the whole forced marriage uh, narrative that that's been around these two, I, I, I'm not buying that. I, I I don't see that as being accurate. Hey, before I let you go, I know it's not a popular stance, but uh, people are really coming down hard on Marquez Valdez-Scanling. This is what he does. He drops the ball. The guy just doesn't fumble. He has dropped passes, yes, but he very rarely fumbles. He has been doing the little things. He's been blocking downfield. He's been playing well. He's been actually catching the ball. You don't get to overtime without him. Give me your thoughts on Marquez Valdez-Scanling as it stands right now. You know, I, I think that the Packers have good reason to stick by him in, in, on the field. I mean, the, the crap off the field, the death threats, the stupidity Stupid. of people. That that's that's an entire that goes without saying, right? We're talking on the field. On the field, I think they have good good reason to stay by him because for three weeks up until that fumble, he was a difference maker. He made the two biggest plays in that Colts game: that the, the 51 yard defensive pass interference, the 47 yard grab on third and ten from the six yard line. Uh, that ball. I was there in the stadium. That ball hung up there forever. Literally, when it was up there, hanging up there, I'm watching it. I murdered myself, no chance. That ball just hung up there forever. And the fact that he came down with that, that's Mm -hmm. a huge play. Three guys on him. It's a huge play. So, you know, before that, 149 yards against the Jaguars. Before that, two touchdowns against the 49ers. when When his hands are good, he is the second receiving threat that this offense needs. He is a rare combination of size and speed that you just cannot teach. And he'd been making those plays and gaining momentum and consistency. One fumble in the Packers' mind, it shouldn't, it shouldn't derail all the good that came before, and it's not going to. And, and now it's up to Marquez Valdez-Scantling to go out there Sunday night against the Bears and make sure that it doesn't derail the momentum. But as, as bad as that play was, it was, it was a game-losing play. They wouldn't even be in that situation without him, and, and he, he's extremely important to what they want to do going forward. So I, it makes perfect sense to me that they're sticking by him on the field. Yeah, I, I get that feeling as well, and I I'm, I concur. I'm, I'm right there with you. Appreciate it as always, pal, and we're going to talk later this week, okay? All right, take care. Appreciate it. There you go. Ryan Wood joining us for a couple of minutes on the Schneider Orange Hotline. Schneider hiring drivers right now. You work hard. They treat you fair. 80-plus years they've been doing it. Call them, 844-PRIDE. Go to schneiderjobs.com. That's 844-PRIDE. Go to schneiderjobs.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.